welcome to the Let's Get It On podcast. I'm Sindra Banks, your host and friendly neighborhood sex coach. This podcast is your go-to guide for hotter sex, more pleasure, and better communication with your partner or future partner. Come one and come all. No matter what kind of couple you are or throuple, this podcast will keep you inspired, interested, and excited to keep expanding your relationship and prioritizing your pleasure. Follow me on Instagram at Sindra Banks for much more of this vibe and to find out how you can work with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's get it on. Welcome to episode five of Let's Get It On. I am your host, Sindra Banks. Happy to be back here on the microphone um, after what it feels like forever because if you listen to episode four, I uh, shared my live talk from Love X in Brisbane, which was such a pleasure to share with you. So I haven't actually recorded an episode for a little while. This episode is my first one with a guest. So my intention with this podcast is to have a guest on every five episodes. I have my very lovely friend Talise on today. Sounds like Talise. It's like a really cool name, Talise. Uh... She is, look, she does a lot of things. I'll let her explain. However, she is the co-creator of the event called Sultry Muse, which I was a part of in Brisbane when I was back in Australia, uh, as well as a brand new offering for those wanting to explore their sexuality. So that is what we share on this episode today. We talk about coming out. We talk about divorce, we talk about separation, children, we talk about the first time we had sex with other vulva owners, we talk about what that experience was like, and Talise shares really openly and vulnerably about her experience of, you know, discovering her sexuality later in life. And all that comes with that. She has an incredible story. She's super brave, passionate, and just the loveliest human. So I will let you dive in to this episode. Be sure to follow Talise as well. She has many Instagrams. However, the one for what she is talking about today is Talise, T-A-L-I-S-E, underscore P-E-A-R-S-A-L-L. I'll share it in the show notes as well. So make sure you tune into that. And before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by The Comeback, my five-week group program for vulva owners to master their intimacy so they feel ready, or you feel ready, to (laughs) uh, be confident, comfortable, and ready to come like never before in the bedroom and out because why not? Uh, It starts next week. So that is September. If you are listening to this before the beginning of September, DM me ASAP to be part of this epic 
program. I really want as many Volvo owners as possible to be part of this crew. We start on the 6th of September, so you still have some days to get in. Just DM me on Instagram at Cindra Banks and just say, yes, I want to be part of the comeback. Let me in and you can jump in. For now, let's dive in with Talise and I talking all things sexuality and more. I am so excited to have my first special guest on the Let's Get It On podcast with me today. Uh, This human is really beautiful and special, uh, reached out to me on Instagram like a little while back and asked me to be part of uh, their first kind of queer vulva owners event up in Queensland when I was back in Australia. And it was so awesome to be a part of and be supporting something so needed. So I really wanted to get Talise on the podcast today to talk about that and sexuality and coming out and you know, share our stories and experiences to help people not feel so alone when it comes to this kind of stuff. And also she has an awesome new offering, which I'm excited to hear more about as well. So welcome to Let's Get It On, Talise. Hello, thank you for having me. I'll let you introduce yourself and tell the listeners uh, what you get up to these days. Many things. (laughs) Many things. Um, Yeah, hello. I um, am Talise. I am a mum of two. I am recently out and very proudly queer. I am uh, neurodivergent and I have many businesses to keep my busy brain busy. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the easiest way to put it. Um, yeah. So the, what Sindra was talking about is a bit of a joint venture that we've started a couple of months ago called Sultry Muse, which we started to support the queer women and non-binary friends in our community to have a safe space. Um, we felt there was a lot of, um, spaces that now were just being taken over again by the non-queer community and um, which have no longer uh, become safe and there was a real need for uh, like vulva only spaces so um, that is what we built and it's very exciting it's been very well received in our community here in Brisbane which is very exciting and yeah we're just continuing to build that as it goes and find what people want and what they need and bring it to life. I think what I was saying uh, when we were speaking about this event online is that for me personally, like I've been out since I was like 23, so like quite a long time. However, being, you know, pansexual, bisexual, kind of open to other genders as well and other people as well, I never really felt like I fit into those queer spaces because I even got comments from people like saying that, you know, you're not queer enough to be in these spaces. Uh, so I kind of felt like I never fit into those spaces. And then in like, you know, strictly heterosexual spaces, I mean, not so much these days, but kind of back then, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb in those spaces as well. So 
there was nowhere really that had this openness of like, hey, you can be bi-curious, you can be like queer curious, you can be, I just want to maybe kiss a woman and or kiss a Wolverine and see what happens without the pressure of being like, oh, you have to be this way, which is what I love about what you uh, have cre- and Kat have created. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, someone who is, you know, what we call a late in life for myself, I came out three years ago. I was previously married to a man and had two beautiful babies. And whilst my story is probably a little bit more uncommon because I had the support of him and still do, um, there's not, there was no, nowhere for me to go and look to experience these things when Mm. I was exploring that side of myself, wondering if it was for me. And yeah, it just, there was, there was such a need for us to build this space and that's the thing it is like women who aren't necessarily sure if they're queer so whilst we do have quite a few very out and proud queer women and non-binary people and vulva owners in our in our space there there are still a lot that come that don't know and and they don't know where to go to find that out Mm. so that was something that was really important for us and Kat's the same she's a a bit of a late in life for a while she's probably known a lot longer than me to to be out publicly for us has has been a bit of a journey Mm. what was it like to be in a I guess straight presenting like heterosexual marriage and then you know discovering or thinking like oh I don't actually know if I'm straight like what was that experience like because for me I was not with a partner when I kind of came out and I met a girlfriend and that's kind of how I came out I just kind of fell in love with someone I was like oh okay but your story is like really different so I'd love to hear a bit more about that yeah I as you said I was um I was married I had two kids I was with him for eight almost nine years and it happened during COVID I was one of those lucky people in COVID who ended up with an identity crisis and had no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, And, yeah, I got to that point where our relationship was everything I'd always wished it would be. We, you know, our job, the house, the kids, and I was like, yeah, like I've got my dream life. Why doesn't it feel like it, like what's missing? Why am I not fulfilled? Mm. Why, what, what do I need to do to feel like what I thought I would feel like at this point? And I'd always had the curiosity of being with women and always, and I just thought that was normal. I just thought every woman had that. Mm. I know now that's not true. My very straight <laughs> friends remind me of that. No, that's not what everyone, <laughs> not everyone wants to go out with kissing girls. Um, and yeah, I just had a discussion with him. He was stuck in uh, Victoria at the time because of COVID. He couldn't come home. He was a FIFO worker. Um, he was able to come home one weekend and I had a chat with him and just said, look, this is what I'm feeling and I'd, I'd like to explore that. And he was great. You know, as he said, is this, is this an us thing or is this just a you thing? And I very much wanted it to be just a me thing to explore that on my own. And, yeah, he was like, look, you get one life and I would hate for you to not do the things you want to do in this life because I'm in your way. Mm. And, yeah, just from there, I just started exploring and talking to women. It was terrifying. <laughs> I, you know, dating apps wasn't a thing before him and I were together. So I had to 
to go down that route and be like, oh, how don't even know how to do that. However, it was also a little less daunting because I was behind a screen. So mm. I had could put on a facade and be someone new and exciting and no one knew who I was. So yeah. Yeah, it was what exciting. Was, what was your first date with a woman like? Oh, electrifying. <laughs> My first date with a woman uh, was with a woman who I am now engaged to. Um, I had many conversations with women prior to that and um, never met up with any until I met up with my now fiancé and, my God, it was, it all made sense, let's just say Mm. that. (laughs) That, you know, that love at first sight feeling that, um, that electrifying blow your mind kind of date that everyone, all my friends had told me about. I was like, oh, whilst. Yes, like my ex-husband and I, we were friends first, so it wasn't like that. We already knew each other and every other date that I'd been on was like mediocre and Mm. I was like, yeah, okay, cool, like maybe I'll have that one time or that mind-blowing sex that everyone talked about. I was like, yeah, like it's good, but I don't know, I'm just not here for it. Mm. Again, it all makes sense now. (laughs) um yeah it was I was so nervous I couldn't even look her in the eyes and I am one who is very big on eye contact um yeah it was yeah my whole body was in a different place than what I was used to that's for sure Mm, I love that yeah it's it's definitely a different experience dating women I think it's definitely a more like less surface level experience, more, oh, okay, like a bit more relaxed. I think you're not kind of trying to prove anything. That's kind of been my experience anyway. And it does feel more comfortable, I I think, personally. Like I, I still date men. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very different. It's very different. It's hard to explain how different it is, but you just kind of feel like I can just actually be me. And I don't know why that expectation is there with men. I don't know if that's just like a throwback to the past and women thinking they have to like show up and be this like perfect woman to attract a man, speaking very binary there. But, you know, like I I don't don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but that's just what it feels like for me. I think it's like the games that you play that you feel like you have to play. And I, I had a conversation with a friend about the other day. It's like... Even, you know, with sex, it was so different with men to women. I feel like with men it was always a performance Mm. because of what we've seen in porn or on TV. But with women it's so different. Like Mm. it's connection, it's sensual, it's emotionally the connection is so different. You know, like with men you're like, hi, what do you do? You know, what have you done in your life? You women, you're like, cool. So this is all the trauma I've had. I go to therapy <laughs> and and you're like, yeah, cool. Like that's just a normal conversation. Like you said, yeah. that's not, it's way, it's, yeah, it's more deeper, the connection. And that could just be a one-off date with mm. no plan to go further. And I know their life story, you know. And like yeah. our date was, I think, four hours long at the restaurant and we didn't even touch our food because we couldn't stop talking it was just wild, you know. She was in her total fuckboy era too because she just thought <laughs> she was coming to take advantage of this, you know, first-timer who was married who just wanted a bit of fun 
And yeah, it, it was, you know, even my mum said it was meant to be, you know, you two, you went on this date that was supposed to be fun and now look at you. It was just <laughs> this really weird thing that no one ever thought would be a thing and mm. now we're engaged. Mm. Yeah. What was your family like with your, you know, decision to follow that that instinct and, you know, leave a quote unquote good good marriage and family unit and all that kind of stuff to actually explore this sense of like I think this is who I am. Um it was a process. It's not it had nothing to do with the fact that um it was with a girl. Like that wasn't the thing. My family are very accepting of that. Um it was the fact that I was married and now I was getting a divorce. And from the outside everyone thought I had the perfect life which on paper I did, you know, I, my ex was a beautiful man and still is. And I was very lucky and a great dad and a great partner, but I would be lying to myself if, if I stayed and I'd be lying to him. Mm. And I think that was, that was the hard process for everyone to kind of get through. And they thought that I was making the wrong decision and that it was a phase and, um, yeah, I think once they could see how happy I was on the other side mm. of that, they definitely understood and they came around and thought they were always there. It was just in a different way. There was mm. a little bit of a, a rocky time there for a little while. I think a lot of people feel held back when they have this feeling of like, oh, I don't know if this is it or I don't think this is it. Because what if I'm wrong? You know, like what if I go, fuck it, I'm going to follow this and find out and then I get to the other side. And I don't think this actually ever happens, to be honest. I think it's always just the fear of what if, what if. However, I think a lot of people are stopped by that fear of what if, what if, it's what if I'm wrong? Really, I believe, like if you listen to your body, like you listen to your instinct, your intuition, it's never going to be wrong. Uh, and if it is, I mean, it sounds like you two had an amazing relationship, you know, with, with your ex that you could probably be like, Hey, I don't know. Do you want to give this another world? Because I don't think that really worked for me or that wasn't what I was looking for. Or, you know, like, do you feel that as well? People are really held back by that fear of like, Oh yeah. On the other side. Yeah. And when I had to make that decision, like when I got to a certain point that I was like, this is more than just a fun experience. I this is what I want. It was a, it was huge. Like my mental health was not in a good place, but I knew I had to do it. And there was that, that it took me a long time to get over the guilt of it as well, that uh, for me to be happy, I had to make someone unhappy. Mm. And there was always that like, shit, what if this isn't it? What if Mm. I've made a huge mistake? Because people like you've made a mistake. Why would you leave your perfect life and your marriage and kids and so that was constantly being thrown at me and Mm. I was like yeah well I have to do this for me and even he to this day he will he will tell you that he thinks it's the bravest thing I've ever done or that anyone's ever done and the reason he got through it was because of that you know at first I was like no like this is horrible I'm a horrible person but it is you have to make a huge decision and risk it being the wrong one Mm. but as you said it's pretty rare that it's the wrong one if you listen to your body I knew deep down it's what I wanted and what I needed and 
I knew as a mum, especially of a daughter, that was the biggest thing for me that I wanted. You know, I said to myself, if if this was her coming to me with this, what would I tell her to do? Mm. And I yeah. just want to be the best example for that. Mm. It is the brave. It is a brave choice. Like it is because I hear people, coach people that have had these tendencies or had these ideas or had these things that they're wanting to explore, whether that's sexuality, whether that's like a kink or role playing or open relating or something that they are so scared to hurt the other person by sharing their truth that they don't. And then unfortunately when that happens, like part of you dies. That sounds like really dramatic and I always say this to people is like you are going to hurt your partner like whether you're monogamous and you stay monogamous and that is the the relationship type that you have chosen you're going to hurt your partner sometimes it's inevitable and what unfortunately happens is that a lot of us go around trying to protect our partner trying to protect them trying to protect them by not sharing our truth by not sharing our fantasies and our desires and our, you know, like curiosities about what might be out there. And we stifle ourselves and we also stifle them in the process. Like I'm sure that, you know, your ex has also grown immensely through this experience and your kids have grown immensely through this experience. And uh, like, I'd be interested to hear about that as well, like your kiddos and, you know, they kind of all part of this now as well. So that would be a little big fear for a lot of people as well, I think. Yeah, it is. And that was another thing that I you have to think, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, breaking, I'm breaking up my family and am I ruining my kids' lives? For one hand, I'm separating from their dad and am I going to create this unstable life for them but also now I'm going to be in a same-sex relationship um is that going to cause drama like and I already I already had reservations for my kids coming from um and I know it's not as bad for them but they they do have darker skin than me so it is already that thing that I've already grown up learning about their culture and like their dad's culture and their hair's different, their skin's different, and that's minor things for me. Of course, I would always do, but then to add an extra mm. minority was just like, oh, my God, am I, like, making these kids' life hell? And then I had to pull myself back and I was like, well, actually, that's that's not on them, that's on other people, mm. and I would never want to surround. I've created the most beautiful, loving, and accepting children and we teach them that, their dad teaches them that, now their stepmother teaches them that, and they are in the most loving, like, home to homes that love not them but each other. The three of us as parents love each other, support each other, and now these kids are going to go out into the world. And whilst, yes, all kids at some point will probably cop shit for something, but whoever is in the circle of my kids I know will be loved and supported and that was the one the thing that was important for me because I know my kids love and accept everybody Mm. like already 
just little things that a six and a three-year-old can understand more than a lot of adults I know because to them it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. You want to be called they, them. That's not a problem. You're a person. And I was teaching my six-year-old about non-binary people. She was like, well, what is it? Like, are they a boy or a girl? And I said, well, sometimes they can be both. Sometimes they don't want to be either. Mm-hmm. It depends on them as a person. She's like, oh, so what do I say? I said, oh, they're just they, them. Oh, no, I, I said, oh, they they sometimes neither. She goes, oh, so they're just a person. Yep. That's it. Like, she understood that. It was just so, she simplified it so easy. She said, oh, so they're just a person. That's it. Like, all of these things have led to me seeing them progress as mm. little humans. And we always did it in a way that we made like it easy for them to understand. But they just, yeah, for what I was so scared of, I think, which was fair as a parent, but I didn't have anything to be afraid of. I think yeah. a lot of people hold back because of that. They don't want to have you know, they don't want their kids to have two homes and they don't want to break up a family. And I see, unfortunately, people that stay in relationships because they don't want to break up the kids, they don't want to break up the family, and that is their sole reason for staying in a relationship. And as, you know, my past uh, marriage, I had stepkids and I saw the two homes thing and it worked pretty damn well you know like Mm -hmm. the kids were resilient they were loved in by four people instead of just two Mm -hmm. um you know parent figures and they most once they got used to it they they thrived on different people different environments different houses different you know situations and it does open their minds and it does allow them to be more accepting and it does allow them to be more resilient as well and more open to and it takes the pressure off right like oh it's okay in their little brains hey it's okay if when I get older my relationship or my marriage isn't feeling good anymore and I'm going to make that choice as opposed to like, oh, they've got to stay, people got to stay together for the kids. It's like, no, you have to follow what's right for you for the kids. Because if we, if we model this experience of staying in a relationship for the sake of the children, that's not a relationship, unfortunately. But, it's, but is it's it a- ever for the sake of the children? Because two happy homes are way better than one unhappy home because let me tell you, those kids are going to suffer more in an unhappy home. Even though it's one, it's not really at the end of the day doing it for the kids, you're not. You're doing it for your own guilt and that is not what's good for the kids because you're just going to resent each other and the kids are going to resent you. And I can tell you a lot of my friends who have grown up in unhappy homes before their parents got divorced, they were like, oh, thank God. Thank God you got a divorce because this is so much nicer now. Mm. And I think even like, so I've been married twice and I've been separated from those marriages twice. Uh, Like even not demonizing divorce. Like I'm really passionate about making it okay for marriages not to work out. 
Like, did you feel like a bit of a failure when you were like, because I know I did the first time. I felt like a failure. I was like, I made this promise. I made this commitment. You know, we're doing it for five years and it doesn't feel right anymore. And I was the one to make the call in the end. And I'm like, fuck. And I felt like a failure because of society's view of divorce. Even even how scary it was to then propose. Mm. Yeah. Because what I was like, yeah, but I want to propose. It's really important for me. She hasn't been proposed to. I have, so I'd like to do it. But then what if it doesn't work out and I've now been married and engaged twice? What are people going to think? And I was like, fuck that. Like if someone tells me they've been married three or four times, I'm like, cool, how amazing is that? You've fallen in love enough to get married four times. Like, why do we have to make it such a bad thing? Why is married marriage the end game? And why does it have to stay end game? It didn't work out. I don't know. I don't regret my marriage to my ex-husband. Like, I have two beautiful babies and a best friend. Like, um, Sam wrote me a beautiful letter the other uh got people in my life the other day for my birthday. It was the most beautiful thing. 33 people wrote 33 messages for my 33rd birthday. And his on it was like whilst you lost a husband whilst no he said whilst I lost a wife I gained a best friend and that's exactly it Mm -hmm. and even for the three of us we're so passionate about trying to explain to people that just because it didn't work out doesn't mean you have to hate each other doesn't mean there has to be tension doesn't mean you don't have to see each other or be friends anymore like you loved that person you got married to them for a reason. Like you can each say to each other, it didn't work out. And we're better off probably apart now, but what we had was beautiful. So can't we just move forward and now create a beautiful home for our kids and a friendship? And mm. and I know that jealousy can come into play with partners and I'm so lucky that I have the partner that I do who has been a rock star in all of this she's just come in and from day one before they even had a friendship has said no it's important that he's in their life and it's important he's in yours Mm. and now the three of us have just put all of our egos aside because what's Mm. important to us is the kids and now we have a beautiful friendship like again why why do we have to demonize divorce Mm. I think for a lot of people, they wait until it's too late. Like They wait until yes. you don't like your partner anymore mm-hmm. and you wait until it is a volatile situation. So when you do separate, it's like, I don't want to fucking even look at you because that's how sick I am of you at this point in time. Uh, I know that for me, the second separation we approached that a lot differently than my first separation. You know, second separation, we had a closing ceremony and we wrote letters to each other and we did all these buried our rings and just kind of took the time to honour our relationship because we called it before it was like to that yucky point where you don't like each other anymore. You know, we called it while we still... (laughs) We called it while we still loved each other and... I think some people would say, but you still loved each other. It's like, yeah, but love's not enough sometimes. I, and I still, I still love my ex-husband. Mm. I just love him in a different way. Mm. 
it's just a different kind of love. I'll always love him. He's the father of my children, but he's now my best friend. Mm. And that's the thing. It's, I do agree. A lot of people say, oh, but, but I still love him, so I can't leave. Leave because you love him. Like, yeah. leave because yeah. you love each other, because you want each other to be happy and you're obviously not happy together. Leave because you know you want something more or you know the other way around where you know your partner wants to be in a different kind of relationship or with a different person or gender or, mm. you know, that. It's it's okay to leave because you love someone. You don't have to hate them to leave. Yeah. And it's really important for everyone listening. It's like we're not, like, pushing divorce on you. We're not, like, pushing no. separation on you. However, yeah, no. giving you permission, right, to be like, oh, is this actually serving me? Yeah. You know, is it serving them? Is it serving our family? Is it serving this relationship right now? And it's okay if it's not. And it's okay if you still love them and care about them. Actually, that's great. That's actually a great time to make that choice as opposed to when you're bitter or when you've overstayed the mark, you know, like you've had that inkling of like, oh, this is not quite right, but you've ignored it and you've ignored it and you've waited for things to change, things have changed, and then you're like, okay, I've got to leave right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think just that the permission to, yeah, be okay with it and it's not doesn't mean that you've failed. It doesn't mean that you're bad at relationships. It doesn't mean they're bad at relationships. It doesn't mean like divorce is evil or like marriage is evil. I know like even this my second separation, I was like really reluctant to share it because I'd be like really honest here. Like I'm a relation. This is this is what I thought in my head. I'm a relationship coach, and I have, like, I haven't put through the second divorce yet, but like I've essentially been divorced two times, and I'm like, fuck, what will people think? What does that mean about me as a coach? What does that mean about me as a person? And it was a lot. Like, it you know, was what's really funny lot. with that. As someone who's been in the wedding industry, you, you, the percentage of wedding planners that are married is very low. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much pressure on us to to do the best of what we're offering people, but it doesn't have to be like that. Whilst, yes, mm. it's good if you've had the experience, but you have had the experience. That's the thing. You've had great experience. You've had two relationships that you can tell people about. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah I I totally get that. That's like mm. that guilt, that pressure. So much pressure, so much guilt. And then when I was finally like, fuck it, it's time to just share this and own it, because I am proud of both of those relationships and I am proud of both those choices. And, you know, I am proud of like who I am and who I've grown to be through those relationships as well. Uh, And, you know, massive respect to both of my exes. And then I was like, this is silly. And then when I shared it, everyone was like, oh, Syndra, like, sorry to hear that, but like, you know, sounds like you made the right choice and you're doing the right thing for you. And like, that's really brave, like you. And, And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just this pressure we put on ourselves again to like get it right and do the right thing. And couldn't, you know, as a person who teaches this stuff, couldn't possibly have a marriage that didn't work out, couldn't possibly have anything wrong with the relationship. It's like there's so much pressure on us to like get things right. Us as coaches and 
people that do this stuff, but as well as people just out there doing the things. It's like, let's just take the pressure off. Things don't have to work all the time. Things don't have to be perfect. In fact, like let's let them be a little bit imperfect. (laughs) Yeah. And actually a note with what you said before, with that being said, also for those listening, please know that whilst I'm very passionate about people loving each other after divorce, I also know that that's not possible for a lot of circumstances. So please don't feel like, don't put pressure on yourself. (laughs) I, I am also very passionate about that in that sometimes your need to leave and be away from a certain person for safety reasons is more important than keeping a relationship. So in those instances, 100%, I totally understand. This is more for people who are in a safe place to have a relationship with an ex-partner. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Thank, thanks yeah. for adding that. Thanks <laughs> for adding them. So let's get back to the juicy queer stuff. I want to know what it was like for you having sex with a woman for the first time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and also, like, how nervous were you? And I was also, so nervous. How much porn did you watch beforehand so you might have a bit of an idea of what the fuck you were uh, doing? Yeah, a lot. But also, my whole <laughs> life I've been watching lesbian porn, so yeah. it was I never watched hetero porn. It was gross. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Even still I have conversations with people like, oh, I'm so scared, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, why do we... Why are we so scared that we don't know what to do when we literally have those body parts? <laughs> we know what feels good. We, I wouldn't know how what it feels like to have a penis and how that feels. Yeah, I feel like I know that more. I have no mm. idea what I'm if what I'm doing feels good for them. Mm. I know what feels good for me as a vulva owner, and yet I was terrified. But then, yeah, I don't know. With Sam, it was so beautiful and she made me feel very comfortable and then it just it was so hot it was in the back seat of her car on the first <laughs> date um oh, on the first date okay didn't waste any time on this first date did we <laughs> i told you it was electric um so i felt like a total 18 year old again oh my um, God. yeah so and then obviously the second time was with her as well in, in a bed, not a car this time. <laughs> Sorry, mum. Um, and yeah, it was again a lot of things made sense. Mm. <laughs> this the type of uh, attraction or that feeling during sex that I think I'd always been longing for, and that mind blowing sex feeling. I was like, ah, yes, okay, I get it now. You know, there's so many instances where I'd be having sex with, like, a penis owner and imagining it being a vulva owner. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, all, all, um, all women do that, right? No. No, no, apparently <laughs> not. Again, apparently that's not what you do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was nice for it to actually finally happen and mm. it it blew my mind. It still blows my mind, literally, I've been out and with Sam almost three years and it's still, yeah, still blows my mind how mm. I, it, I missed it all these years. <laughs> yeah. And when she says, she's like, you've been missing out. I mean, yeah. Mm, that's yeah. so good. 
I, uh, back in the day when I came out, um, like, what, 16 years ago or something, uh, I went to the library and borrowed a book. This is how old this is this is how old I am. I borrowed a book on uh I think it was called like lesbian sex because I was like the the woman I was with uh was like full lesbian, like lesbian, lesbian. And like I'd never I'd like kissed a couple of women and like fantasized about it, but like never gone there with anyone. And she was like quite experienced, obviously. And so yeah, I borrowed a book from the library because I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And internet was like not that fast in those days. And I don't think porn was free. So yeah, I <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. And just I just remember kind of just being like, oh my God. And um this particular person had like, you know pubic hair and I hadn't for like a very long time so I was like oh my god like there's like hair here and there's this and like oh my god how do I find the clip and like da, da, da. like even though I have one and I have a vulva and you know I'd thought about fucking women but like just the like like going down and then just being down there and then being like what the fuck am I doing the right things it's meant to be happening and wow yeah like I'm sure I was really awful the first time. I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine that. Like I was very good because I was just so nervous and so scared and like questioning like every movement of my tongue. Like, oh, mm-hmm. is that right? Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I like trying to like remember what I read in the book. Like I was just, like doing this, or, like doing this, and wow. It was just like yeah. a whole thing for me. Uh, so that's why I kind of, you know, do these like pussy on pussy play masterclasses and things like that because, you know, even with porn, you know, girl on girl porn, <laughs> most of it is so unbelievably incorrect or it doesn't oh, quite work. Just like free porn is, yeah, generally. And for a lot of vulva owners who are in relationships with vulva owners um you know there's a fair few of us where there are different um you know more masculine and feminine presenting partners and a lot of the time in porn it's all female present like femme presenting sorry Mm. um you know sex and that's not what happens we're not out here just all both all girly girls all the time doing the thing and it's very different and that's yeah. the thing that I was scared of because I was like well what happens who kisses who first she's more mask mm. what do I do like does she mm. kiss me like what what are these roles that yeah. you know, are we are, are there are there roles what happens so yeah it's your pussy on pussy courses are so needed especially <laughs> for like a little old baby gay me back in the day Oh, just so important, so important for our community, for people who have never done it or want to do it and learn more and don't know where to go and want correct information and be informed. Yeah. Like when they go into these situations where they can make informed decisions and not feel pressured and do what they want with the information mm. they've been given and not be so terrified. Mm. Yeah, like in my 
like first marriage uh that was to another vulva owner and we like went to a sex toy shop and we like bought all of these toys and like I wanted to have penetration still like I was really interested in like strap-ons and things like that and they weren't really and then so like I remember buying all these toys and then just like putting them in the drawer and being like so scared to even like talk about it or bring it up with you know them because they had a different um desires than me or like different fantasies than me like I still really really fantasized about men like I'm very bi um so like it was just this really hard thing where I felt like there's something wrong with me because I didn't just want to be with them um and I also wanted to use these toys and had to bring it up and I had no tools and that's why like a lot of my classes are like kind of communication first let's actually learn to talk about this shit because you can't just like whack on and strap on and be like okay so whack on and strap on here you know <laughs> yeah it is oh my gosh the first time like we had that conversation I was like well what does it feel like can I use it can I have a turn and it's so empowering when you do you're like oh I get it like I don't use it very often like like wear it but oh my god the first time I did I was like oh every I think every vulva owner needs to like, give it a go because there is something about it yeah whether you're with a penis owner or not yep. like you gotta give it a go. That is, yeah, you gotta I get give it. it a go. You yes, it a go. yeah. You know what's yes. really hot is like, uh, if you do have a penis owning partner or someone that you play with, is pegging like if they're open to it, yeah. it's like pregnant. That's like the ultimate like fucking role reversal, mm-hmm. and it's like I've got so much power right now. Yes, like, you can take it. You know, oh, that is like, yeah, that's a good time. Yeah, that's for me, like, I very much live day-to-day in my masculine. Like, I'm a business owner and I am a mom and I make decisions and I always have. And so for me, that that, that first time that I did that, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so fun. Yeah. As I said, I don't do it much because now for me, like, for me it's very important to be in the in my feminine in the bedroom because it's a one place. Like, I'm a control freak and I know I am. <laughs> it's a one place I can relinquish control and just it's – a very quiet space for my brain in there yeah I um that topic of like the masculine feminine or I try and call it like the being and the doing energy uh is like really came up a lot in the immersion that I just ran the get wet like the free five-day immersion and like something that we're going to work on in the comeback program that I run as well starting next week is because for so many vulva owners, like we are in our doing energy all the fucking time. And that's not the energy that we're going to have the best intimacy or even be open to any intimacy really. So I think what you said there is like figuring out what your roles are in the bedroom. And I don't have to say like that all the time, but you know, for me, I'm the same as you. Like I'm a fucking boss bitch 24-7. And then like to get into the bedroom, I need to like be relaxed. I need to, mm-hmm. to be like slow and safe. And then I can get into it. Yeah. But I need to switch that off, switch off that like masculine doing brain into that surrender. And that can be really fucking hard if you're in that energy all the time. And especially I think if you have two vulva owners and maybe both of you are also in that energy all the time, 
or then you both switch to both being in that feminine energy and then there's no polarity. So it could be something like really need to kind of work on is like bringing that energy into the bedroom. Otherwise it can get a bit like either like kissy and lovey and like cuddly and just kind of stay with the kissy and lovely and cuddly, you know, which is nice, but then yeah. you're like also as, derailed. So. Of, of, and as two vulva owners, definitely that's, can very uh very much get like that yeah 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 or uh, or you're like on your phone like doing work and doing this and tired in the house and then you're just like okay i'm so tired babe we're good but yeah very much so so i want to know about your new offering because this is going to help people who have been listening to the stories about coming out and exploring sexuality and, you know, stepping into your curiosities as well, right, and being able to do that. Because I know personally doing that alone was so fucking hard. I had, for me personally, I had pushback from my family. I had pushback from my friends. Um, Even, like, as my sexuality evolves and, like, I did marry a man and then I also had a girlfriend and I did polyamory and this and that. Like it's really hard if you don't have someone to support you and to help you through those changes. So share with us what you have brought to the world because I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like as I said to you, I am very passionate about all of the things that we've spoken about, Um, be that uh, coming into your sexuality uh, following exactly what it is that you want as a woman or vulva owner, as a mum, you know, especially you get stuck in these in a place where you think you have to stay and having been through all of this and feeling very alone and having no one to speak to, now that I'm on the other side of that and I, it it, it lit a fire in me when I finally decided to do what the fuck I wanted to do. And now that's exactly what I do every day. And I just want to be that for other people. I want to be that hand to hold them and guide them through and the ear to listen or the shoulder to cry on or to laugh or to celebrate on the other side. And so, yes, I have launched um, private mentoring for mainly vulva owners, anyone really that needs support going through this who need to discover if this life is for them, if they want to explore their sexuality, if they want to find anything really that they're stuck in life. It doesn't even have to be sexuality at the end of the day, but if that is what's really important is to have someone to hold your hand through all of this and so that is where where I am and who I am and what I'm going to be for people to to have someone to listen and give a shit and understand where they're coming from because I didn't have anyone in the queer community when I went through all of this. And whilst my friends are beautiful and did the best they could to understand, they didn't really at the end of the day. So, yes, I could talk about it all day, but I get so excited <laughs> about it all. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's starting off with private mentoring. The goal is that we will move forward into um, having a space where people can come together to have these conversations. And the plan is with the three of us, um, my, 
ex, my now partner and I, that we will have uh, support for relationship um, like as a as a partner, as a step parent and as someone who's me gone through it, like the him having his view on it and how to support a partner going through that as well. So yeah, that's so good. That's so exciting. I love that. And yeah, like you said, it's not something sure you can do this alone, but it's really fucking hard. And like your friends don't understand, especially if all of a sudden you've gone from being like hetero presenting to like, hey, now I'm, I don't know. That was me. I was like, I don't know, but I'm just in love with a woman. So that's just what it is. And they just try and understand, but, you know, friends don't get it and they have bias as well. So, you know, having someone unbiased to talk to and support you and someone who's been through it is like, it's so important. So yeah, I love, I love this offering. Like when you put it, sorry, when you, when you put it out, I was like, oh my God, this is so needed. So yeah, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And just like, you know, even some of the phone calls that I've already had where they just said, I just needed to talk about it. I just needed Mm. to talk it out with someone whilst I knew what I wanted. I needed that affirming voice that I can do this and I'm allowed to do this and, um, you know, I've spoken to a mum, someone who's almost in their 50s, say I've spoken to a few different people and all of them have different journeys and different stories Mm. and want different outcomes from the conversation, but they just wanted someone to talk to who got it and understood. And as you said, there was no, there's no judgment. I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just here to listen. And sometimes they don't want advice. They just want someone who's going to listen yeah. and understand. Yeah. And yeah, so that's me. Very cool. So where can people find you and what you do? I know you have many Instagrams. Uh, I know, it's getting out of control. It's, so. it's really hard. <laughs> I just need like just an Instagram assistant who can just do it. But at the same time, it's also a space that I love to be really personal in. So that's why I'm like, I just have to do it myself. Um, <laughs> so my Instagram is uh, my name. So it's Talise underscore Pearsall, um, which is T-A-L-I-S-E. Um, and then you should find the rest. There's not many of us on Instagram. Um, and for those who are interested in the events, we are Sultry Muse, which is just all one word with an underscore at the end on Instagram. And, yeah, we have all of our events up there if you want to come and do that, which is really exciting. Kat, my business partner in Sultry, also has a very exciting thing she's working on um, in breathwork. So it's going to be something else that, you know, this all ties in and it's something I think why we work so well with Sultry because what we do and what we offer outside of Sultry all ties in and comes back to it and something we're both still very passionate about. So So exciting. Yeah, Yeah. definitely go and follow all of the Instagrams and I'll put them in the show notes as well. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on to chat today my love i appreciate you, you sharing and all of your um yummy offerings as well thank you so much thank you so much for listening to let's get it on i really appreciate you rating and reviewing this show so more people like you can have hotter sex more pleasure and better communication 
please do share this episode far and wide and come and play on Instagram at Cindra Banks for more of my vibe and to work with me. I love to chat to listeners, hear your suggestions and feedback. So don't be scared. Dive into my DMs and let me know what you thought about this episode. Until next week, remember, everybody deserves pleasure. Mwah.